Uncover and Elevate is the next evolution of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I'm Brenda Florida, Certified Life Coach, and after coaching hundreds of clients, I am unapologetically clear on this. People pleasing is a symptom with a deeper cause. Being in a toxic relationship or career and feeling trapped has a deeper cause. Avoiding difficult conversations has a deeper cause. Self-sabotage, imposter syndrome, confusion, feeling insecure, all have a deeper cause. In Uncover and Elevate, we are going to look under the hood every week to uncover what the deeper causes are that shape our lives, including the ones that make breaking a pattern, even one we want to break, so hard. Then we will elevate our lives with tools designed to transform those deeper causes and deal with the symptoms. Join me each week as we uncover and elevate our lives. And now, here's this week's episode of Uncover and Elevate. This is a hot off the press kind of issue. I want to talk about the things that we are taught to tolerate, partially because I've had a big aha in the last couple of weeks about how the main issues I was taught to tolerate, which were emotional abuse and gender inequality. There's probably many others, but those are the two that stand out for me right now. I was taught to tolerate that. And I am realizing just, you know, recently certain ways that that has affected me that I was not even aware of until now. So I, you know, you guys always get my best stuff first. So um, sometimes it's a little raw and unpolished, I suppose, because this is an unscripted podcast always. <laughs> so you're getting it, you know, fresh and real. And I want to hear from you about how this resonates or maybe something you know, that has happened with you that you can relate to what I'm sharing, even if the topics or the stories are kind of different. So for me, I grew up in a super conservative religious uh, family and church, you know, churches. And so I'm cis straight female. Uh, so I had those things going for me compared to <laughs> Uh, you know, all of you who are listening, who are in the LGBTQ plus communities, who are people of color, you know, I did not experience racism. Uh, I did not experience the sort of, you know, judgment and cruelty that so many transgender and, and gay, lesbian people, all the things uh, queer, you know, have experienced all the things that sounded insulting. So sorry about that. Sorry about the way that just came out of my mouth. <laughs> um, but, you know, unless you're cis and straight, you have, and white, you have been through the ringer and there's even for, for me being cis, straight and white, um, because I'm a woman, and because of just my own family dynamics that brought in the emotional abuse piece, um, you know, those have been the two primary things. 
where it would, I just, you know, it's not like anybody said to me, I wasn't as good as a boy, but it was very clear to me <laughs> my entire life that, you know, I wasn't a girl, wasn't as good as a boy. Men were superior to women. You know, it's patriarchy, it's capitalism, it's all the things. So in addition to that, I had generations of women in my family before me who were emotionally and, uh, you know, physically abused much of, you know, often. Um, my own mother was only physically abused uh, a very, you know, a couple of times uh, actually later in her life as her second husband got older and more aggressive. Um, but, oh my gosh, she tolerated so much. Well, she tolerated that physical abuse too. But I observed so much emotional abuse and emotional abandonment and all those things. And it was always presented to me as just, you know, that's the way it is. That's what it is to be married. That's what it is to be a woman. That's what, it, you know, in just those ways that parents bear it through, you know, no overt language necessarily, although that, that can happen, but my mom didn't do that. It was just obvious to me by demonstration that that was something that we just learned to tolerate, to put up with. So I, am, you know, I just absorbed all that. I didn't consciously embrace it. I didn't consciously agree with it, which is, again, part of what can be tricky about our journey of growth is that there are plenty of things that we would not consciously say we would believe in. So I would have never said, I don't think I'm worthy. I would have never said, I don't have equality with a man. I would have never said, hey, it's okay that you know my spouse said these mean things to me or you know super diminishing things. I would never say that's okay. But deep down in my subconscious, because our subconscious affects how we think and feel so much more than our conscious mind does, I was living a life that was really oriented around tolerating those things, which is why it took me 16 years to leave my first marriage. It's why I, again, several times after my first marriage, chose the same kind of men who would be emotionally abusive and not consider me an equal. Again, they wouldn't say that out loud, but that was what was demonstrated. That's where you know, actions speak louder than words. You know in your gut when someone considers you an equal and doesn't agree with you or not an equal. Because what happens with many emotionally abusive, not to mention we could add on a layer of narcissism because I think you know probably both of my parents were narcissists and the all the men that I was with um so you add that to it and it's a lot of judgment criticism diminishment all these things that I just learned to take now for me once that I was living that and it was really conscious for me, like once I realized in my first marriage that that's what was going on, 
then I left it pretty quickly with my second marriage and the third guy that I lived with other boyfriend, you know, people I dated, I tended to, once I realized it was happening, I was a little slow sometimes to realizing it would happen. It was happening. But once I really got it consciously, then I got myself out because I knew I didn't deserve that. I knew that it wasn't something to be tolerated, but it had been so normalized for me in my own experiences of, you know, watching women be emotionally abused and treated as less than equals and them just tolerating it, right? So whatever, we're teaching our children all the time what we really believe. And when I stay in a marriage where I'm being emotionally abused and treated in uh, inequality, I'm telling my children, this is what marriage is like. So girls, my daughters, you go find men that do the same thing for you. And my sons, you go be this man because I'm not doing anything to break that pattern. And so for me, when I left my first marriage, even though this was my high school sweetheart, we got married super young, you know, had all of our children really young. And it was a very, you know, sort of Norman Rockwell painting is what it looked like on the outside. It was a little more uh, difficult behind the scenes, but we were not a very combative couple either so we didn't fight a lot our home was really pretty peaceful especially because I just tolerated this abuse so when he would be diminishing dismissive you know all the things emotionally unavailable blah blah I didn't complain about it so we didn't fight about it uh you know that made that part easy so our children were really surprised when when we told them we were getting divorced. Our friends were all super surprised. I mean, every, you know, everybody thought we were so uh, good together, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so had such a happy family. And so one of my big motivators for that was that I wanted to teach my children loud and clear, even if it was a little late, they were like eight to 13. I have four of them that it's not okay, that we're not going to tolerate emotional abuse. Boys, you don't get to be emotionally abusive. This is not okay. The inequality, not okay, you know, and, and it was fairly effective in that they have all married, um, you know, really lovely partners who do treat them as equals. And they, they do have very um, emotionally intelligent and healthy relationships. So I'm really grateful for that. But for me, I still kept stumbling into it. I kept repeating that pattern, even though I didn't want to, I was trying so hard, like really consciously trying not to repeat the pattern to choose men that were different. And then, you know, that would not be the case. They were very different as far as their personalities. They, they all had very, very different personalities, but their relationship to me was very much one that included the fact that I was not equal and that they could really just kind of say anything they wanted to to me, no matter how unkind or cruel or 
unjust or, you know, whatever it was, abusive that it was. Uh, I remember one time in my first marriage, I somebody recommended a book to me that I think was just called The Verbally Abusive Husband, something clever like that. And I read that and I was just like, oh, come on. Like, I knew he was sometimes, you know, not very complimentary. And sometimes he was a little harsh in my opinion, but I would have never labeled him as verbally abusive. And I got this book and I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm like highlighting, you know, every word on every page. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I, I didn't even see until I saw the statements, the kinds of things he would say to me over and over, always through all of our marriage. I never saw them as even being verbally abusive because I didn't really have a barometer for it, right? Like the home that I grew up in. And then, you know, I left at 18, you know, went right from my mom's house to my own with my husband. So I just didn't, it, it had all been so normalized for me. I didn't have a real perspective of what was abusive and what was not. So I was just conditioned to tolerate all of it. So I want you to think about right now what maybe you have been conditioned to tolerate, even if consciously like me, you would say, oh, of course not. Like I don't deserve to be emotionally abused. I don't deserve to be treated like I'm not equal because, you know, we're all equals. Like consciously, that's what I believed. And yet I allowed all this treatment of me that was the opposite of that. And it was because that had been so subconsciously embedded in me that that was just normal. And so I wonder if you can think of something, I mean, maybe it's easy. Maybe you've already thought of 10 things. Like I coach a lot of clients who are in these same situations, emotionally abusive, um, romantic relationships or marriages, um, super toxic, emotionally abusive work environments, like all kinds, you know, it comes in all shapes and friends. I mean, frankly, even though it seems pretty incongruent to call it that, there are plenty of people who have friends, people they consider friends, people that they're close to, intimate with, that are emotionally abusive and toxic. Um, or don't consider them as equals. And so it doesn't just have to be your spouse, you know, or somebody you're dating or living with or partnered with in some way romantically. It can come in all kinds of ways. And so uh, think about what that is for you, you know, what you can kind of at least play with of, oh, wait a minute, even though I would say I don't believe this, even though I would say I don't believe I'm, I deserve that, or, you know, I'm certainly worthy of being in a healthy relationship, I'm also making excuses, I'm tolerating, I'm making allowances for, but nobody's perfect, every relationship has problems, and all that's true, but there's a difference between relationships that have problems that are operating in the realm of emotionally healthy and those that are not. So I was in the those that are not. So when we say, you know, nobody's perfect and we're making excuses, so to speak, for our spouse. If that's all within the emotionally healthy range, fine, that, that is true. I'm, you know, I'm not perfect. If I was married, I would not be the perfect spouse. I have no doubt, but I would relate to and interact with my spouse 
in an emotionally intelligent, emotionally healthy way. So whatever problems we had would be above that bar, so to speak, of in the emotional, emotionally healthy, emotionally intelligent realm. Whereas before all my relationships were below that bar. And so then those excuses, so to speak, don't fly anymore because now I'm just excusing abusive behavior under the guise of nobody's perfect. So think about what you may have in that way, even if it's something you've kind of fought back from, rebelled against the message of your family. I mean, again, rebellion, I love rebellion because rebellion will take us out of that pattern that our culture or family or some group, some, some influence is wanting us to take on. And we're saying, fuck no, not doing that. And we rebel. And that's great. That can be a great way out. And a lot of times we have to kind of do that. It's almost maybe similar to like a knee jerk reaction. Like, I don't know, maybe that's not fair, but anyway, it's like the big pendulum swing. Okay. Like I did this sexually in my uh, growth there because I was a virgin when I married my husband at the ripe old age of 18. And you know, we were married 16 years. So by the time I was 36, whatever, I had only had sex with one man in my whole life. Right. And I had grown up in a, in a culture that said all sex outside of marriage is, is a sin. It was all abstinence, unless you're married, abstinence, unless you're married. And I, after I got divorced, rebelled against that and had a fairly sexually exciting life for a while. <laughs> um, so we won't go into all of that uh, on this podcast today, but it was, and I'm not judging myself for this at all. It was a very necessary rebellion for me. And I had a lot of great experiences. I don't continue to make the exact same choices today because now, you know, that I've experienced that rebellion, it's like, Okay, let's here's a great metaphor. It's like somebody took you to the cupcake factory or the cookie factory or whatever it is you love to eat and said, "Okay, go for it." You know, well, wait a minute. First, you, they'd put you there and say you can't have any of it. You just have to stay in there smelling all that cake and cookies or whatever it is you love and you can't have any. Or you can have one kind. <laughs> you get to marry one person and be with them the rest of your life. So you can eat chocolate chip cookies but nothing else. And meanwhile, there's 10 other kinds that just smell and look so good to you, but you can never have them. So you break out of that and you're like, you know, to hell with that. I'm going to go eat all the cookies. <laughs> you eat all the cookies, all the kinds, even the ones you don't really like that much because you can. And you eat all the cookies and you get a lot of tummy aches. And so after a while, you're like, okay, actually, there's really kind of three or four that I like the most. And I find that if I only eat one or two a day, I don't have a stomachache, you know? And so you come into some kind of what we might call balance, although that's not a word I like very much. But um, so it could be that you, that, you know, you've rebelled against what you were taught to tolerate. And I love you for that. Uh, and there's another level of um transformation that is beyond rebellion. And so 
where I want to go with this now is kind of like the next step of what do you do when you become aware of the fact that you've been tolerating something you do not want to tolerate. So back to my recent story. So I realized that one of the conclusions that I came to in my experience with this dynamic of emotional abuse and inequality, uh, it might not surprise you since I had it was so prevalent in my romantic relationships that I often also picked up employment situations that were very similar, same kind of dynamic, obviously, different circumstances, different kinds of things um, to be treated in uh, unequal for, I guess that's the way we'd say that, unequal, anyway, um, where I was not considered an equal, not because of position. I don't mean, you know, certainly in corporate structures or whatever, there are certain hierarchies that create a chain of command. But that is very different than inequality. And so you know when someone doesn't consider you, they're equal. When they consider themselves superior to you, that's not hierarchy. I can think you are a total equal and be your boss and maybe have to have a difficult conversation about something or even fire you. But that doesn't translate into you're not equal to me. I don't consider myself superior. I just have a job to do. And one of those jobs is managing you and you are not performing and we've given you the chances to perform and you're not. And so now you're fired, you know, or whatever. So those, I want to, I want to make that distinction because in the workplace, that's an, that's an important thing to sort of discern. Am I pissed off and rebelling against a hierarchy that's just part of the system? Or am I actually not being treated as an equal? Super important thing to know the difference between. But what happened with me is I just realized that in response to that, what I did was decide I was just better off alone. So I have been single most of the last 21 years. I lived with a guy for two years. I had a fairly long-term but not really committed relationship for several years. But primarily, I have been alone. I have been the director of my own life. I've only had my own money to deal with, you know, no help from anybody. Nobody's carrying in my groceries. Nobody's buying any groceries. Nobody's helping me pay my bills. I have been single, and I did it by choice. My conscious choice was I didn't want to get in another emotionally abusive relationship, of course, but I was never opposed to dating or anything. I just wanted to choose differently. So in my conscious awareness, it was like, well, I just want to choose differently. I haven't met the person. I don't know. I get so off and on with online dating, you know, uh, I would do it sometimes. I would quit doing it. And then, you know, we had a pandemic. Uh, not a lot of people were dating. Some people were. Anyway, what I realized recently is that what I have actually done is sort of like created a story within myself that I wasn't even aware of. It was subconscious that the only way for me to be safe and not be in a relationship with an abusive person 
was to stay single and then take it one step farther. I think this probably was a second step that happened after a real, I've had two professional situations where I was terminated in a really unfair way, like a scapegoat kind of way. And so one of those happened about six years ago. And after that, I was just like, no more. I'm not working for anybody. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to do my own coaching practice anyway. So that wasn't a hard, you know, leap as far as that goes. And so I think I just didn't notice that underneath that was the subconscious belief that then extended to my professional expression that I'm going to be a solo entrepreneur because I'm not going to be in another situation where I could be emotionally abused in the workplace or treated um, as less than an equal or used as a scapegoat or expected. I had one job where they wanted me to freaking be dishonest to a board of directors and reporting financial information, all kinds of things like that. And for that one, I actually got legal advice on being a whistleblower uh, to the C, you know, on the CEO. Instead, I just ended up quitting. <laughs> but, you know, like I had these work situations that in their own ways kind of reflected the same, you know, similar types of dynamics that were in my romantic relationships. And so without consciously sort of choosing or realizing I had done it until just, you know, recently, I crafted for myself a life of being alone, single woman, solo entrepreneur, that way nobody can abuse me, <laughs> except for me. And yes, there's some of that. I brought some of that self-judgment and self-criticism with me. Um, and so, you know, did it in my own inner voice, which I have been working diligently on um, to disempower and sort of uh, dissolve this year uh, with myself. But it was alarming to me when I realized that I had done this sort of subconscious self-protective move of creating a story that the only way for me to be safe is to be by myself. And so once that became aware to, uh, to me, you know, once I became aware of that, wow. I mean, it was a huge eye-opener because uh, uh, consciously, I don't believe that. And it made me realize all the obstacles that I have created towards dating. And so now, so we'll see, you know, you can keep following along. We'll see what happens. Um, I will probably start, you know, I need to heal from that. I need that, that big aha is not enough to just, if I started dating tomorrow, I, I know everything would be different. So it's not quite that simple because the, the aha is also at a very conscious level, which is awesome. But the healing has to really go beyond the conscious and into the subconscious. And so I will be healing at a much deeper level at that subconscious level, that story for that, you know, girl and woman who just, you know, legitimately and understandably so when I stand back and look at my life as an observer, decided that was the only way. You know, and good for her for doing that because 
for where I was, that probably was the only way, but I'm not there anymore. I've grown past that. And I think this is really how and why things get revealed to us where certain like our, our soul or your psyche or however you, your higher self, however you want to think about that says, okay, she's ready to understand this and grow through it get to the other side, experience the transformation that only happens when we have both a conscious and a subconscious healing. There's plenty of times we have a conscious healing. And so we think things are going to be different. And then when they repeat themselves, like this was true in my second marriage and with this third guy that I lived with, I was, when I realized I was back in an emotionally abusive relationship, I was so shocked because consciously I was doing things so differently and really, you know, wanting to uh, not repeat that pattern. It was a very conscious intention for me, but that consciousness is not always enough because again, we have about 90 to 95% of what we're doing, thinking and feeling is coming up from our subconscious. It's so much more a determiner of our life and our choices and our experiences than that five or 10% of our conscious mind. So to me, starting with that awareness and then moving into deep healing, you can do it with journaling, you can do it with therapy, you can do it with coaching, at least with me. I do a lot of this work. I mean, I am just constantly um, so thrilled with the transformation that my clients are experiencing in their own lives because they are doing the work and because I, because you know, whatever my gifts, talents, life experiences, I'm very good at uncovering, you know, this is what I'm always saying. That's why we call this uncover and elevate now instead of liberate your people pleaser, because we've got to uncover these subconscious things so we can elevate them. I have lived in this story of I've got to stay single to be safe for gosh, probably. I mean, now when I look back on it, it's probably been eight years and I didn't realize it. So I couldn't change the story until I knew it was there. So that's the uncover piece. And that's why coaching is so helpful because I can see in a client that subconscious story, like our subconscious isn't hidden from everyone. It's just hidden from ourselves. And so a really skilled therapist, I worked with a therapist for years that helped me uncover all kinds of things. A really skilled coach who's really good at, at uh, seeing or intuiting those subconscious patterns and stories. That's what you need so that you could, I happened to find mine actually through a book because I was reading somebody else's story and it triggered my own subconscious aware, my awareness of that subconscious story I had. So it can come in all kinds of ways. Um, but, you know, a good therapist, a good coach are probably the easier ways or the more um, you can count on it, right? Because you're investing that time, you're investing that money, you're your investment in it is your intention, your motivation to change. And so you bring in this professional who can help you see it and boom, 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 things start to open up and, and transform fairly quickly. Um, and so I've always grown much faster and I guess I'll say deeper 
uh, at a deeper level when I've been working with a coach or a therapist of my own. And that's why I love doing what I do with other people. And so it's re it really turns into how do we love ourselves into being the fully authentic versions of ourselves? Because in this regard, as much as I you know, pride myself in being authentic and, and really it's always my intention to be totally authentic. We can't be authentic about what we don't know about. So now I have a new ability to love myself into a more authentic expression about what I want to do about this being single, not because I'm afraid I can't be safe and be in a relationship, but because now I'm going to consciously choose it. Now I'm going to consciously, you know, be on that date and look for those signs of somebody who's going to treat me as less than equal as somebody who's going to be emotionally unavailable, whatever, so that I don't choose the same kind of person again, so that I choose someone who's a match to me in, you know, my emotional and spiritual development and also, you know, wouldn't toler tolerate abuse or inequality any more than I'm going to. Um, and so, that's how we love ourselves in to our transformation, you know, through the journaling, through the therapy work, the coaching work, um, you know, whatever modalities. I mean, there's a, there's others I haven't mentioned there um, that work for you. That's it. That's what you do. So you can have that healing and love yourself into your next highest, most authentic expression. So I would love to hear how this resonates, if it made you realize something that you've been, you know, holding in your subconscious that you weren't aware of, things that you were taught to tolerate, um, that can give you that awareness so that we can bring those patterns to an end, to end the cycle of it. And for those of you who know, uh, and, you know, maybe listen to the podcast frequently, that's probably where you're most likely to hear this, although I posted some on social media. My mother passed away uh, at the end of December uh, last year, so in 2022, and it is no uh, coincidence that these realizations are coming to me after her death. She's the last person in her generation. My father had already passed away. They're, you know, siblings. I do have one uncle that's still living, but he's very emotionally intelligent, never part of the sort of family dysfunction. So I don't, I don't have to count him, but everybody else in my lineage that passed on to me so many unhealthy um, patterns of their own, they're all gone. And so I know that to a degree that has probably helped liberate me from some of this stuff to sort of allow me to have the awareness. Um, and you don't have to wait for that. So we can free ourselves, even when the people who uh, sort of, you know, put us in that prison and uh, lock the door, even if they're still around, even if we still have them in our lives, we may start having new boundaries with them. But you can liberate yourself. You have all the power you need. There is no power outside of you greater than the power that is inside of you. And so with that, I will leave you until next week on our next episode of Uncover and Elevate. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Uncover and Elevate. 
Check out the show notes for tons of great information and resources like if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast so we can uncover and elevate an issue in your life, just complete the form in the show notes. You can follow me on Instagram at Brenda Florida Coach. You can work with me one-on-one or get additional information about one of my group or private retreats by completing the form in the show notes. And I would love it if you would share this episode on social and tag me. I'd also love for you to post a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. It makes such a big difference and will help others find the show. And I'll be incredibly grateful. This is Brenda Florida, Certified Life Coach, and I'll see you in the next episode of Uncover and Elevate.